Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 5. Anyone of the podcast is Super America, the Outdoor Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what is a weirdly action packed Tuesday episode of the Outdoor Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We'll continue some of the conversations from the weekend in college football. We'll start at Auburn. I told you on Monday's show that we would continue the Auburn conversation. We talked about it from the Penn State perspective. Today we look at Auburn, what is next, Brian Harson, his future. It doesn't appear as though he is going to be at Auburn for very long. And so we will start to discuss, listen, I don't want to do it, but I have to. Who could potentially be next? And I believe there is only one person that Auburn should call, and I believe he'd pretty almost certainly take it. Good news, he's not far from Auburn as we speak right now. From there, we'll continue the conversation on the opposite spectrum of Auburn. LSU, it wasn't a big national story, national game on Saturday. I thought LSU actually looked pretty darn good against a good Mississippi State team. And I do have to wonder, is LSU actually a little bit ahead of schedule under Brian Kelly? From there, we'll wrap with a little basketball news. You probably saw it. You probably have discussed it amongst your friends if you you love college basketball. But the one-and-done rule, it appears as though the one-and-done rule will be gone and be gone soon. Now, I'll tell you, I think college basketball is in better position to handle this than it was even a year, two, three, four years ago. I don't get it from the NBA perspective, and we will discuss it in a minute. Really quickly before we get started, first of all, want to, as always, thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Listen, I've told you all about Betfred. Later on in the show, I'm going to tell you what they are doing for betters this coming weekend, week four of college football, week three of the NFL. But as always, Betfred has been great to us. We love working with them. Some really big things ahead for your boy Torres. Betfred, together, we appreciate their support. Also, I should mention, Bracket Fanatics, BracketFanatics.com. Obviously, week two of the NFL season is in the books. If you have not signed up for the Aaron Torres NFL podcast or NFL Pickup Challenge, the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pickup Challenge, it is not too late. This is not something it's too late to sign up for. 
$1,000 season-long cash prize, $100 weekly winners. We announced our week one winner a few days ago. Congratulations to Reno Gambler. And week two, we will announce our week two winner here momentarily. But if you have not signed up, sign up now. You're still entered for the weekly drawings. And of course, you got to make up some ground now in week three. But the $1,000 cash prize is still very much available. Bracket Fanatics, join Bracket Torres, and you can get in for the NFL Pick'em Challenge. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, you know, I'll tell you, on Monday's Aaron Torres pod, we talked a lot about the Penn State-Auburn game, but obviously mostly, most of it was from the Penn State perspective. Penn State walks into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Penn State is a slight favorite, which was a little surprising to me at the time. In hindsight, it shouldn't have been. Uh, and Penn State walked out with an absolute dominant victory. 41-12 was the final score. Of course, if it was just about the win, we wouldn't have necessarily talked about it. But more importantly, it was how the win went down, right? Because when you look at Penn State, but when you also look at Auburn, Auburn, even in the darkest days last year under Brian Harson, they were still a team that could compete physically. As a matter of fact, that was maybe their only strength was literal strength. Top 30 run defense last year, really strong run defense to start this year. And the one thing I think you could always count on from the Brian Harson perspective was, do they have the skill position talent? Do they have the quarterback play? I don't know, but nobody's going to out-tough you. Only that's exactly what happened on Saturday for Penn State. Uh, six and a half yards per carry. The freshman Nick Singleton, 100-plus yards, about 12 and a half yards per carry in that game. And Penn State didn't just beat them. They absolutely annihilated them and punked them at the line of scrimmage. And so we talked a lot about the Penn State perspective on Monday. And I do think it's important to transition to the Auburn perspective here on Tuesday's show. Because while you guys and girls know I don't love to speculate on jobs and this and that and the other thing, and I certainly don't like the way that a small segment of the Auburn uh, fan base treated Brian Harson last year during that craziness in January and February, what I would also say is what I said on Friday's show. That Saturday really was basically a must-win game for Auburn. Now, it wasn't literally a must-win game, but when you're Brian Harson and you're on the hot seat and you know there is a certain level that you have to compete at. There is a certain number of wins that you have to have. It kind of says you, Penn State at home is probably a game you got to get, right? You're not going to beat Georgia. You're not going to beat Alabama. People will forgive you. But to get to the win total that you have to get to, you got to beat Penn State. And if you don't, it makes everybody look at the schedule and say, well, who exactly can Auburn beat? And I think that's how we're kind of looking at the schedule right now, right? They do get Missouri this week, but after that, they play LSU at home. LSU all of a sudden looks a lot better than they did. And then on top of that, don't forget, you got three straight ranked opponents to follow that. Georgia, Arkansas will miss. You have a Mississippi State team that beat you last year. You have a Texas A&M team that beat you last year. And you have Alabama to finish the season. And so it's not looking good for Brian Harson. And again, if you can't beat Penn State at home, it doesn't bode well for the rest of, of your season. And really, it is time that, that, like, you know, we can still talk about Auburn and the Brian Harson perspective. But we also probably should start thinking about what is next for Auburn because I don't think this guy is going to survive the year. He might not even survive until the middle of the year. So with that said, let's talk about it. Let's talk about their future. And let me say this about the future, not the present, but the future of Auburn football. I believe that there is really only one guy that they should call to take this job. Now, there are other candidates. We'll get to them in a minute. But there's only one guy that I believe they should call that I believe would be the perfect fit that would check all the boxes, and that I believe, I really do believe, could get Auburn competing at the highest level. That man, he goes by Coach Prime. 
I'm talking about Deion Sanders, head coach, Jackson State University. And yes, I believe he is the guy Auburn should call when Brian Harson is inevitably let go. Let me explain why. Okay, so first of all, let me say this. There are other good candidates out there. Let's not pretend like they aren't. I know that there's a big clamoring in the Auburn fan base right now for Lane Kiffin. I guess what I would say is I'll believe it when I see it that Lane Kiffin is leaving Ole Miss for Auburn. It has obviously happened before. Tommy Tuberville about 25 years ago was the Ole Miss coach, leaves for Auburn. But historically, you just don't see many coaches leave within conference, leave within division. I don't know that Lane Kiffin is going to do that at this exact time, especially since, again, it appears as though he has Ole Miss rolling uh, once again, even after losing everything from a year ago. Hugh Freeze would be another logical name. Uh, if Auburn went and got Hugh Freeze, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, I would have absolutely no problems with it at all. I think he'd do great there. But I do believe Coach Prime is the guy for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I've talked about this before. I think I mentioned it when Jackson State, Deion Sanders got the number one player in America to commit to them last year. But he's a real coach, right? Like, I think there's this perception, and I think we've seen it maybe more in college basketball than college football. Sometimes when these high-profile guys come into a job, they just don't really know what they're signing up for, what they're getting into. Are they fully committed two feet in? We talked about it with Herm Edwards on Monday's show. Making a lot of money doing TV. Are you really willing to get down, grind, work hard, recruit 365 days a year? Uh, a, a sophomore wants to take an unofficial visit and come take a picture with you. you got to be on campus. Well, there's a lot of coaches coming that, that have had a ton of success uh, you know, in other areas of football or basketball that aren't willing to put in the work. Deion Sanders is willing to put in the work, okay? Uh, I said it, you know, they, they, they did, um, when Deion got the job at Jackson State, they did a documentary on Barstool Sports. So he works for Barstool Sports, but he also coaches at Jackson State. They did a documentary, and I came away so impressed by Deion Sanders, okay? Again, this isn't a guy that's trying this out or doing it, or maybe I'm going to one foot in, one foot out. No, this guy is fully committed. If you watch that documentary, you can see. He understands how to coach at the highest level, how to run a program, how to hire staff, how to deal with players. There was kind of that nice balance between coaching them up, being tough, but not impossible. I mean, if you watch that documentary, it is impossible not to come away impressed by Coach Prime and the coach that he is. And I do think it's having an effect on the field, by the way, where Coach Prime has been awesome. Deion Sanders has been awesome as the head coach at Jackson State the last two years. Year one, it's COVID, it's weird, it's whatever. Last year, did you see what Jackson State did? 11-2 overall. One of their losses was to an FBS team, and it was a close loss, 12-7 to Louisiana Monroe. So you take out the FBS game where the other team has more players, more scholarships, more this, more that. Deion Sanders went 11-1 last year. This year, currently sitting at 3-0 with three dominant wins, top 10 offense, top 10 defense in college football. Uh, and just taking care of business early, put up 66 points in their first game, uh, put up 50 plus points the other day. And you're talking about a team that in two of their three games so far this season have won by 35 plus points. So 11 and two last year, it does not feel like he's missing a beat. I'm just telling you, if you haven't watched the Barstool documentary, go watch it. This guy's a real coach. He knows how to build a program. He knows how to build an organization. This isn't something he's doing for fun to try. He is very much committed to Jackson State and to the building process there. More importantly, though, the reason why I believe that, that, that Auburn should go hire Deion Sanders, he's already proven to do something that Brian Harson has yet to prove to do. He's gone head-to-head -head with Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Mike Norvell, Dabo Sweeney, pretty much everybody in college football. And he has gone ahead and won recruiting battles 
with all of the best coaches in college football, right? And so what I would say in general about this job or pretty much any job, and I say it all the time, at the end of the day, you can talk about this guy, that guy, this, that, the other thing. At the end of the day, it's all about recruiting, right? I keep referencing the Nick Saban quote from Colin Cowherd about two, three weeks ago. Cowherd asked him, um, you know, coach, you're 71 years old. Why are you so excited? Why are you so passionate about recruiting at this age? Why do you still do it? And he said, I learned a long time ago, it's really hard to coach bad players to play good. And that has always stuck with me. And if you are not bought in on recruiting, and if you don't understand how to sell yourself to recruits at the highest level, I just don't think you're going to win anywhere, no matter what. You can't outdevelop Kirby Smart and Nick Saban when they're both elite developers and they have better players with you to start. So to me, it does start with coaching, development, and recruiting. And as I said, Deion Sanders has proven he can go head-to-head with those guys and win. We all know about Travis Hunter, number one high school player in America, committed to Florida State, decommits, signs with Jackson State. What I don't think a lot of people realize, though, is that Jackson State actually got another top 100 player last year, a four-star wide receiver named Kevin Coleman, who was ranked number 56 in the high school class of 2022. Why is that important? It's because you can argue that Travis Hunter is the outlier, right? Like you're just not going to sign the number one player in America very often. But what is interesting is Dion signed a four-star wide receiver that had offers from Alabama, from Miami, from, you know, all these major programs. That player who, who people have forgotten about, don't even remember Jackson State signing him. He's actually ranked higher than any player that Brian Harson has signed since he got to, to Auburn. The 2023 class for Auburn right now, and I understand Brian Harson's recruiting while on the hot seat. The 2023 class has zero top 100 players. Again, Deion signs two top 60 players a year ago. Zero top 100 players in the class of 2023. 2022 had zero top 100 players for Brian Harson. And 2021, the, the, the winter that he took over, had two top 100 players, neither ranked better than the top two players that Deion Sanders signed. Uh, one of them committed under Gus Malzahn and stayed. The other one committed late after Jeremy Pruitt was fired at Tennessee. So if Jeremy Pruitt doesn't get fired at Tennessee, we're basically talking about one top 100 player that Brian Harson will likely sign in his first three recruiting classes. And oh, by the way, that kid left to go play for Gus Malzahn at Central Florida. And so when I look at Dion, it's a simple question. If this guy can recruit at this level at Jackson State, and this level is certainly not the level to beat Nick Saban, beat Kirby Smart, beat Alabama, beat Georgia. But if he can sign five stars, high four stars at Jackson State, can you imagine what he could do at Auburn? Because I think he'd kill it there. And what it goes back to, in my opinion, is something that I've talked about on this show so often over the last couple of years. I think we have this misnomer about recruiting and it's about this and it's about that. And I do think like geographically, it is important, right? And there's always going to be schools that have inherent advantages. LSU is always going to have advantages. USC is going to have advantages in the Pac-12 that Oregon State doesn't have. But at the end of the day, kids really want to go someplace where they can do two things. They want to win at the highest level and they want to be developed for the NFL. And that is what's so intriguing to me about Deion Sanders at Auburn. Can you imagine? He's already going into homes and beating Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Mike Norvell, whoever for players. Can you imagine if he's now in the SEC and he has the SEC, SEC Saturdays to sell to recruits as well? On top of that, you're, uh, so, so this is basically a sales pitch. Come here. You're going to play against the best. We're going to build a program to beat Nick Saban. We're going to build a program to beat Alabama. We're going to build a program to beat Georgia. And then on top of that, 
I'm going to develop you for the NFL because that's already what he is selling at Jackson State, and that is already resonating. He's saying, look, we have a ton of guys that came from the NFL, a ton of guys that have worked in the NFL, a ton of guys that have played in the NFL, headlined by me, who is literally an NFL Hall of Famer. If it's working at Jackson State, imagine what he could do at Auburn with everything around him. Finally, what I would say, why I like the Deion Sanders hire so much, it gives Auburn an identity, right? And I was thinking about this uh, in lead up to the segment. Has Auburn really had an identity since Cam Newton left? Like they've had highs and they've had lows and they had the year that they, you know, played for a national championship when everything broke right, kick six and, uh, you know, the, the prayer at Jordan Hare. Those were the, the two wins over Georgia and, and Alabama. But have they really had an identity? It's up, it's down, it's this, it's that, it's craziness on the field, it's craziness off the field. Gus Malzahn's doing all sorts of quirky stuff, and he's winning just enough games where they can't fire him, and then they fire him. Then they bring in Brian Harson, and they're trying to be physical, but they're not good enough, and they don't have this, and they're not recruiting. Dion immediately brings an identity to Auburn. I think he does bring a cool factor as well, right? Like, I, I, I don't think, like, cool doesn't, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do think it doesn't matter if you're not recruiting well. But I think he's going to recruit well because of what I just said. Come here, be cool, prepare for the NFL. I'm going to wear sunglasses in press conferences, and we're going to kick butt on game day. And so I look at all the factors. I look at the fact that he's proven he can build a program at the lower level. And I know Auburn fans, they don't want to take a chance on another guy from the lower level. Dion ain't Brian Harson, okay? Brian Harson came from Boise State, and I would tell you this, and I said it at the time, Boise State was built. He kind of kept that thing steady, but it was going in the wrong direction by the time he left. Dion has built a program out of nowhere. He is recruiting at the highest level. And I'm telling you, you put him at Auburn with SEC facilities, with SEC resources, with an ability to pay great assistant coaches, with an ability to sell. We are the pathway to the NFL. I think it would work. I think it'd be a home run. Now, again, if you can get Lane Kiffin, probably get Lane Kiffin. If not, you go hard after Dion. Now, the question with Dion, ironically, is, would he want this job? Well, you know, is he still going to wait for Florida State? I don't think Florida State is going to open, but he has said very vocally he loves being at Jackson State. He wants to stay there. I think it'd be tough for him to turn down the SEC. In my opinion, that is a call you have to make if you are all. All right, I want to take a quick break. Do want to come back? And when I come back, we will continue the college football conversation from Saturday. LSU, nobody's talking about it, but I'm just going to tell you, they looked awesome on Saturday. And I think they might already be ahead of schedule. They look like a completely different team from Florida State to Mississippi State the other day. I think Brian Kelly, all the Brian Kelly haters, oh, I hate Brian Kelly, he's such a jerk. I think you're going to be eating a lot of crow here in the coming years. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. We are going to get back to college football in a minute. Before we do, though, I want to remind you, the Aaron Torres podcast and, of course, all things Aaron Torres media. So that is the college football betting show. That is a couple of upcoming projects that I am excited to tell you about. They are all presented by Betfred Sportsbook, our official presenting sponsor. And I could not be more fired up to be working with Betfred this football season and beyond. Okay, so Betfred, I've told you the story, but I love the story. I'm not going to stop telling you, so deal with it, okay? Uh, They've been around since 1967. They have taken the U.K. by storm. Now they're taking the U.S. by storm. They are the official betting partner of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sports, and I've told you this, but I mean it, they do more for their betters than any sports book out there, okay? I've told you all the stories, but Sunday, if you follow them on Twitter, if you're not, make sure to do so. At Betfred Sports, you saw that they had a crazy tailgate for Denver Broncos fans before that game. Betfred betters have thrown out the first pitch at Colorado Rockies games. Uh, In Arizona this week, they had a crazy bar get-together for the Cardinals-Raiders game midday on, uh, on Sunday. The point I'm trying to make, nobody does more for their betters than Betfred. And here's the good news. They are taking care of you this weekend. Here's what you need to do. Any NFL game, any college game, your choice. You pick any game you want. If you bet 50, you get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. New users, anyone is anybody that's a new user, you can go ahead and sign up for that. So thank you to Betfred. By the way, we will have the Aaron Torres boost this coming week. If you took advantage last week, remember, I had Washington minus 3.5. It was my best bet. Well, guess what happened? It cashed. Betfred gave a bunch of bettors a lot of money, courtesy of Aaron Torres. So stay tuned for the Betfred boost later, but I just want to thank Betfred, our official presenting sponsor. Love working with them. With that said, I do want to switch gears, and I do want to hit on another college football game from this weekend that, you know, honestly, on on a slower Monday we may have hit on. This week we were not able to, but it was the LSU Tigers taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. LSU takes care of business. I don't want to say in easy fashion. They actually trailed going into the fourth quarter. It felt like even in that time frame they were in control, but they do go ahead and win 31-16 to in that game. And while I was watching that game, a couple things stood out. One, a lot of the problems that we saw from LSU just two weeks ago against Florida State seemed to disappear. They look like a much cleaner, crisper football team, and one thing struck me. The Brian Kelly effect is already in full swing. And whether you like Brian Kelly or not, and I know most of you for whatever reason do not, let me just tell you, if the first three weeks are any indication, the improvement from week one to week three, I'm just telling you right now, be ready. This guy is going to win a lot of games at LSU I truly believe that. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Some of you are sitting there saying, Torres, it was Mississippi State. Mississippi State is good, but come on. LSU is not going to be judged based on beating Mississippi State. That is what an LSU head coach is supposed to do. An LSU coach is going to be judged on, can you beat Bama? Can you beat Georgia? Can you get to a college football playoff where you beat Ohio State, where you beat Clemson? Or maybe you have to beat Alabama again to win a national championship. 
I understand that's all the case, and I understand that LSU is a long, long, long way away from that. They are not anywhere close to Bama. They are not anywhere close to Georgia, and that is not what I am trying to say. But as I've told you many times, my old radio partner, Arnie Spanier, once told me, he said, Aaron, the show is tonight. And what he means by that is we can only base our opinions based on the information that we have right now. And the information that I have right now is that that LSU team that we saw three weeks ago in the Superdome against Florida State on Sunday, Labor Day weekend, it's already way in the past, and this LSU team looks so much different. Going back to Saturday against Mississippi State, again, they took care of business. Final score, 31-16. to They put up a bunch of points late. But really what stood out more than anything was the fact that basically all of those things that made LSU look like a complete disaster against Florida State, that made us question if Brian Kelly was the right hire on that night, it all kind of disappeared against Mississippi State. First of all, the defense was phenomenal. If you watch this game, it was just, and listen, you know I don't claim to be an X's and O's guy, but it was sound. It was crisp. It was fundamental. They were making plays. They were flying to the ball. Remember, they lost their best defensive player, Mason Smith, in that Florida State game. They looked awesome against Mississippi State. Florida State, they had two tackles for loss in that game. They had eight against Mississippi State. Again, just flying all over the field. The run game, I thought, looked significantly better. Remember, outside of Jaden Daniels, outside of Jaden Daniels, they had 25 yards rushing against against Florida State in week one. They finished with well over 100 without Jaden Daniels, who also had 76 yards of his own on Saturday. I would add this, too. Jaden Daniels, I think, has been really impressive. I told you on Monday's show, because I live in the Pac-12 footprint, I watch a lot of Arizona State football. I was never blown away by Jaden Daniels during his time at Arizona State. But he's come to LSU. He has done what he has needed to do. He is making plays with his feet. He is making plays with his arm. He's completing 69% of his passes after never completing more than about 64% at Arizona State. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I think the other thing that stood out on Saturday was that he really spread the ball around, right? What was the big conversation coming out of that Florida State game in week one? It was the idea that that LSU did not get the ball to its playmakers. And I know that wasn't really on Jaden Daniels as much as it was the play calling and the coaching and Brian Kelly. Well, go ahead and look at the box score. Malik Neighbors, six catches, 76 yards. Kayshawn Boutte, three catches, 31 yards. Jare Jenkins, three catches, including a touchdown. Brian Thomas, two catches, 22 yards, 11 yards per completion. So you look at what they did. They spread the ball around. The run game looks so much better. Um, you know, John Emery, their star running back, was back after a short suspension. Armani Goodwin, a transfer in, looked excellent. And I'll say this, the offensive line, which couldn't move anybody, which was, I believe, the biggest concern coming into this season. They look like a completely different offensive line uh, from from a few weeks ago. By the way, I think I said Armani Goodwin was a transfer. I apologize about that. He is not. But the point remains the same. They talked about it during the game, but that offensive line has been reshuffled since that Florida State game, and this looked like a much crisper, cleaner, smoother offense. And so it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and make any bold, big proclamations on LSU. Not right now, not this season, not one game into the SEC slate. We know how tough the schedule is. We know that in addition to all of the tough games uh, in the West, 
They have crossover games this year. They, they happen to draw Tennessee in a year. Tennessee's really good. They have Florida in the swamp. They obviously still have Ole Miss. They still have Arkansas. They still have Bama, Texas A&M on the road, Auburn on the road as well. And so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is a program that, oh, they completely flipped and it's good. But what I saw on Saturday, again, was just a team. What I saw on Saturday, let me put it this way. What I saw on Saturday was a team that in every phase just looked significantly better in two weeks' time from the last time they played a Power 5 team in Florida State. And so I don't want to overdo the point. I'm not making any bold proclamations. But this is the Brian Kelly effect, right? You guys and girls can tell me you don't like him and you don't like this and you don't like that and you don't like the way he answers questions and whatever. But at the end of the day, Brian Kelly is a great football coach. Brian Kelly is the winningest coach in Notre Dame football history. In his final four seasons at Notre Dame, he went 44-6. and six. I know he lost to Alabama in the playoff. I know he lost to Clemson in the playoff. I know he didn't win enough big games, but part of it was he didn't have players as good as Alabama and Clemson, and the fact that he even had Notre Dame in the playoff speaks to how good of a coach he is. By the way, how is Notre Dame doing since Brian Kelly left? And so I don't want to get, get too crazy here, but this is the Brian Kelly effect. They brought him in to bring some, you know, they brought him in to really bring some an adult into the room, uh, a, an, a level of accountability, a level of structure, a level of discipline, and you're seeing it. The special teams look better. The blocking looked better. The tackling looked better. These are the little things that you need to improve on to win the games you were supposed to, let alone win the games that really matter to LSU fans, which, again, are the Bamas, the Georgias, Texas A&Ms, et cetera. Um, I guess they beat Texas A&M last year, so I don't know if that's an applicable one. But the point remains, and I'll just say this, if you want to get your Brian Kelly jokes in, you better get them in now. Give this guy a year or two. Give him more time in the portal. Give him another recruiting class. He's got a top six, seven recruiting class lined up right now for 2023. And I think this LSU program is going to take off. It's going to take time to beat Bama. It's going to take time to beat Georgia. But in two weeks, I saw a significantly better football team. All right, a little bit of a quicker segment there. This is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. And when I come back, we're actually going to switch gears to hoops. Adam Silver, one and done rule gone. Look. College basketball is going to be fine. Adam Silver just makes my skin crawl. I think it's a dumb decision. I explain why. We're going to discuss that. We'll do it next. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to switch gears. And I do want to wrap with a topic that, frankly, um, I've talked about quite a bit here on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast through the years. And that is the one and done rule in college basketball in the NBA. I think most people probably listening know, but about six, seven years ago, I wrote a book called One and Fun about the original John Calipari Kentucky team. If you haven't read it, by the way, go ahead and make sure to purchase that uh, right now. Uh, But I wrote a book called One and Fun about the first John Calipari team at Kentucky. Uh, I love college basketball, talk about college basketball all the time. And over the last couple of years, it has seemed as though we are going to get the one and done rule removed. Well, on Monday we basically got unofficial confirmation that that rule will, in fact, be removed maybe as early as the 2024 NBA draft, which is, of course, not the upcoming one, but the following one. The news came from a report, Shams Shams Charani, I should say, a really well-respected NBA reporter. He came out with kind of a news and notes about kind of the current state of collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, and he dropped the nugget that both sides seem intent on eliminating the one-and-done rule, and that basically now, as, as we all know, players have to be one year removed from high school and 19 years old to enter the NBA draft. The age limit will now be dropped to 18 years old. And so I want to talk about it. I want to discuss it. But let me just say this. This is so dumb. This is so idiotic. And I'll be honest. This speaks to the ignorance. This speaks to the, the, the grossness of Adam Silver as a commissioner. I want to break it all down. And let's get into it. Let me just start by saying this. Listen, whenever I talk about stuff like this, I know I always get NBA, Twitter, oh, you, you're a college basketball guy, and if, if, if the best players don't play college basketball, you won't have a career. Stop it. I will, I'm not trying to brag. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm uh, you know Stephen A. Smith here, but my career is going pretty well. I will be fine if a select number of high school players go pro out of high school, and so will college basketball, and we'll discuss all that going forward. But at its most basic level, this is dumb for two simple reasons. Removing the one-and-done rule is dumb for two very simple reasons, simple reasons I'm going to discuss right now. The first one, it's pretty straightforward. It goes against the entire reason that you put this rule in place in the first place. Remember, the reason the one-and-done rule was put into place was because NBA coaches, NBA GMs, NBA owners... We're tired of drafting high school players. Yes, there's a LeBron James. Yes, there's a Dwight Howard, a Kobe Bryant. There's also a lot of guys that you've never heard of. Ever heard of Robert Swift? Ever heard of Indubie EB? Ever heard of uh, Travis Outlaw? These are all guys that were picked in the first round in either 2003 or 2004 that never ended up making it out of high school. And so this rule was put into place because increasingly David Stern realized if we don't do something, we're just going to have 15, 20, 30, 35 high school players a year entering the NBA draft. And the bottom line is the coaches don't want to coach them. The GMs don't want their entire careers defined by, did you pick the right high school guy or did you pick the wrong high school guy? And if you pick the wrong one, uh, you're not going to be around for very long. And owners don't want to pay 18-year-old kids insane amounts of money 
when they don't have any real-world experience. So the reason it's done is because it runs completely counter to every, to every reason that the rule was put into place. The rule, I would argue, now some might disagree, I would argue the, the rule has been a smashing success. Players now go to high school for go go from high school to college for a year. Players, of course, they get the college experience. They get the national exposure of playing on TV. And I don't think you can undersell that. Who was Zion? Well, Zion Williamson was very famous before college. Duke took him to another level. Anthony Davis, John Wall, um, R.J. Barrett, Trey Young, Ben Simmons. You go on and on. Those guys were elevated by coming to college. And at the same time, it helped them. It helped them build their brand. It helped them make a lot of money when they came into to the NBA. But at the same time, it helps the NBA as well. Because now they don't have to guess on which guy's going to make it, which guy's not, which guy's going to be able to handle being away from home for the first time, which guy's going to be able to handle money, all that good stuff. And so it makes no sense. The system was working perfectly fine. And the second reason why this is just idiotic is because what I just said it's a rule that essentially nobody wants. Like, who is Adam Silver trying to impress with this rule? Twitter? Social media? That says that players have it so bad? They don't have it bad. They can go to college, get NIL money. Oh, by the way, if you don't want to go to college, there's plenty of pathways, whether it's Australia, whether it's G League Ignite, whether it's Overtime Elite. There are plenty of opportunities to play somewhere professionally if you don't want to go to college. But it's working, and nobody wants this change. I can tell you, I've talked to NBA front office people. They don't want to have to go back into high school gyms and evaluate 16-year-olds, try to figure out, okay, which one's going to make it, which one's not, which one's going to hit a growth spurt, which one hasn't, which one already hit their growth spurt, who's really good, who's just good because the the competition is so inferior. GMs don't want to draft those guys. I would guess, I'll be honest, haven't talked to too many billionaires lately, can't speak for NBA owners. I'm guessing they don't want to pay them. NBA players, they're going to be giving up jobs to 18-year-olds. I don't think anybody wants this, except for obviously 18-year-old players and the agents who represent them, who now the age just takes a kid at 18 years old. He doesn't have to be good. He doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to go to college. You just hang out in high school, Jim, sign the best guys, and you're going to be making millions. And so it makes no sense. I don't get it. But what I would say, I will say, because I'm a glasses half full guy, let's get back to the positives for a second. What I would say is, I do think that college basketball is in a better position to handle this transition than it was even two, three, four years ago, okay? I do think having NIL in place will help. I still think those super elite, super talented players are going to go straight out of high school, um, but I think that next tier, the guys that might be a second rounder, might go undrafted, might be a first rounder, but it's not guaranteed. Do you try to go to college for one year where three, four, five years ago, there's no NIL money, and so basically you would have been deciding between making no money in college or going to the NBA and making some money. Instead now, you can say, hey, I'm projected as the 27th overall pick. Maybe I should go to Michigan State for a year. Maybe I should go to Duke for a year. Maybe I should go to Kentucky for a year. Make some money while I'm on campus and then go pro a year later. What I would also say from college basketball's perspective, I'll be honest, about three, four years ago, it really struck me two things. One, I do think the sport is kind of going away from the one and done, right? It was all the rage for the early to mid-2000s. Um, and I think everybody kind of realized after a while, it's really hard to build a championship caliber team with just freshmen. If you look at most of college basketball, outside of Duke, who's really relying on like heavy, heavy, heavy one and dones? 
John Calipari this year might only start one freshman in Case and Wallace. He only started one freshman last year in Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Arkansas and Eric Musselman, they signed three McDonald's All-Americans, but they got a bunch of grown man veterans around them to help them make it easier. And so I think college basketball, I realized about three, four years ago, it's almost going to be a different sport than the NBA. You watch college basketball for the teams and the programs and the this and the that, and the individual players are less important because the individual players either are coming and, and leaving very quickly or they're not coming at all. And so what I've realized is college basketball is going to be fine, right? What I've realized is, and I don't, don't know why I keep saying what I've realized, but what I've realized is I do think that as time has gone on, something has struck me, which is I don't think a Kentucky fan really cares. And in some ways, I think they, they, they actually prefer whether they have the number one recruiting class number. Kentucky fans want to know that when the ball tips off in November, they have a team that's good enough to win a national championship. Same with Michigan State, same with Kansas, same with UCLA, same with uh, Duke, same with North Carolina, same with Louisville, same with Memphis. And so if you have a bunch of players that are going to the NBA, if you don't, I don't think most fans really care. I think they just want to know that they have a team that's good enough to win it. And I do think increasingly programs have become less inclined to build around those types of players. I think even John Calipari, even Bill Self, even uh, Chris Beard, whoever, have realized that you need some veterans in the locker room. I think the transfer portal is only going to become increasingly more important. Um, and I think really outside of one to two programs, um, I don't know how much this impacts college basketball. I had a, somebody DM me, oh, this is the end of Calipari's career. Look at who Calipari's recruited the last two, three, four years. I think there'll be he'll lose some guys. I think he'll also just be more aggressive in the portal in April, just like Eric Musselman is, just like Nate Oates is, just like Bruce Pearl is, just like Chris Beard is, um, just like Andy Enfield is, whoever. Um, I think Duke might weirdly be impacted. I think John Shire is probably the biggest loser of the day because that is the guy that is all in on the one and dones but I don't really know how much it affects most of college basketball. And if you really look at even college basketball coming into this year, um, who are the teams that we're excited about? We're excited about North Carolina with Caleb Love and Armando Baycott. We're excited about Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. We're excited about Oscar Shibway at Kentucky. I don't know that all that much changes, and I do still think it's going to be a veteran sport, a transfer sport, and it's really going to be less about NBA development and NBA draft boards and much more about, again, Kentucky versus Michigan State, Gonzaga versus Duke, whoever. Three quick thoughts before we get out of here on, on what's 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 left. A um, couple things. One, I don't care what anybody says. Don't let anybody tell you any different. This is not good for the overall health of basketball. And listen, you guys and girls know I love college basketball. Um, I'm around the sport all the time. I know coaches. I know parents. I know families. This isn't good. You know, and it's ironic, right, because Adam Silver, who I'm going to get to in a minute, um, you know, he is the guy that has said, repeatedly my guys are less happy than they've ever been before and like I don't think he's wrong on that I would also argue I don't think putting more money in their hands at a younger age putting more pressure on them is the way to is the way to make them happy right I mean think about the guys in the NBA that appear to be kind of the most stable the most kind of grounded isn't it the older guys that did two three four years in college isn't it Steph Curry isn't it John Morant, isn't it guys like that? By the way, LeBron, I know there's always the exception to every rule. But, you know, Dwayne Wade, when he was when he was in the NBA, just very stable, very just, you know, whatever. He had the maturity. He had the real-life experience. Now flip it with the guys that cause nothing but headaches. It's the guys that came, you know, one year in, in college, less experienced, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. 
I just, I don't think that giving a bunch of 18-year-olds a bunch of money without any life experience is the answer here. Speaking of Adam Silver, I'm just going to say it. The guy is just, he just makes my skin crawl, okay? Everything he does, everything he says is, is some sort of, um, you know, trying to please a social media mob. I mean, first of all, I've said this on the record repeatedly. I think he's the worst um, commissioner of my lifetime, at least in the three major sports. I can't speak to hockey and Gary Bettman. I don't know how the MLS commissioner is. I don't know if message boards are aflame about talking about him. But Adam Silver, think about everything Adam Silver's done since he came to the NBA. As I just said, his players are more unhappy than ever before. Um, players are demanding trades more than ever before. They don't even respect the contracts that they're, you know, that they're, they're, they don't respect the paper their contracts are written on. Ratings are down. I think this is all a direction of leadership. It's okay to do stuff that's unpopular. It's okay to do things for the good of the sport. And I'm sorry, but having younger and younger people coming into the sport is not good for it. On top of that, I would also say, what did I just say a minute ago? Everything he does is for PR. He can't keep, like, think about how he handled the Robert Sarver stuff. I mean, it was just weird and bizarre and gross. Finally, what I would say is, and this speaks to the Adam Silver stuff, I don't understand why the NBA has such an adversarial situation with college basketball, right? I've heard my buddy Colin Cowherd go on this rant, but I think he's a thousand percent right. The NFL has realized they have an incredible minor league and an incredible marketing tool in something we call college football. And it seems as though the NFL is aware of college football, cognizant of college football, and tries to complement college football because it knows the benefits of college football. One, it's given you a mature, adult, grown-up when they come to the locker room. I mean, Joe Burrow got drafted at 23, 24 years old. Um, Trevor Lawrence got drafted at 21. Two, uh, all, you know, you go on and on down the list. But two, it's the marketing tool. We know who Trevor Lawrence is. We know who Tua is. We know who uh, Kyler Murray is. We know who Lamar Jackson is when he won a Heisman and then had to come back for another year. I think everything worked out well for Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, all those guys. Yet the NBA, for some reason, has this weird adversarial thing with college basketball. I can even, I'll say this, I could even understand three, four years ago when kids weren't getting paid. I could understand it's an easy stance for the NBA to say, if those guys aren't going to pay them, then come up to our league, we'll take care of you, whatever. But now that they're getting paid, let these kids go to college for a year. Let them be kids for a year. They're going to enter the NBA at 19 years old and make millions of dollars. Let them grow at their own pace. Let them mature at their own pace. There's no need. And oh, by the way, it's a great marketing tool. How many people outside of Zion, how many people knew any of these kids coming out of high school? I've talked to multiple people that love NBA. I love the NBA. Media members, fans, whatever. They couldn't have picked out Paolo Bancaro a year ago before he played at Duke. They couldn't have picked out Jabari Smith for sure at Auburn. Now, maybe Chet Holmgren, he's so unique, seven foot one, skinny, whatever. But how many of these guys... How much did college basketball benefit Paulo Bancaro, benefit R.J. Barrett, benefit all of these guys that I've mentioned? So I'm going to get off my soapbox. It's whatever. I don't think it's as big of a deal for college basketball as, it's, as it would have been three, four, five years ago. But I'd be lying if I said I'm not a little sad. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I'm not sad that we're going to see the next generation of Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, Derrick Rose, John Wall, Anthony Davis. And oh, by the way, the crazy part is all those guys love their schools. Carmelo Anthony, UC, uh, Syracuse, the, the, the practice facility is named after him. Russell Westbrook, who I know wouldn't have been a one-and-done. The practice facility is named after him at UCLA. 
Uh, Kevin Durant was just back on campus at Texas the other day. You could see how much Texas means to him. So Adam Silver, don't like the guy. Think he's kind of a snake. Think he's been the worst thing for the NBA. Think the NBA has never been less popular in my lifetime than it is now, and the ratings reflect that. I think he's a terrible commissioner. I think this is a terrible decision. The good news is college basketball is going to go on as it has. Woo! That was kind of a fiery segment to end the air. It's just a two, it's just Tuesday, man. What am I going to be like by Friday? I'm all sorts of fired up. But uh, with that said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, want to make sure everybody is subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you're not, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. Wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Uh, Adam Silver, yeah, don't know what else to say. Don't know what else to say, but I am going to, in fact, get out of here. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to J.J. Reddick, you have had. I have a feeling me and J.J. Reddick, once this one and done rule gets changed, me and J.J. Reddick are going to get back into it if he unblocks me. I'll be back on uh, Wednesday, new episode of the Air Sports Podcast. Take care, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.